So, um, so three weeks ago is the last time I spoke, and so we've been uh, doing a series on from theology to reality, from theology to reality. So those things that we understand are good theology, things that we understand as a Christian, um, but God wants those to become a reality in our lives. Because yeah, it, be, it can be so easy in a Christian life just to kind of go around with, with head knowledge, can't it? So with head knowledge, well, I understand this is who God is. I understand this about, about God. And this is who he is. And no, he never changes. And he's all powerful. And we look at those different things. I understand the things about God. So, but yeah, what does that actually mean in your own life? Is that a reality in your life? Because otherwise, you're just kind of, we're just, we're just getting head knowledge, aren't we? We're just studying like you could study any subject. We're, we're kind of studying God. And God wants it to become a reality, because remember, we're not, we're not studying religion. This is about a relationship, amen? A relationship between, between God, the creator of the universe, and, and, and us, amen? So just understanding theology, theology means the study of God. Is, is understanding theology alone enough? Well, it's, it's not enough. It needs to be our work in our lives to become an everyday reality. And three weeks ago, um, we started to talk about, about the Trinity, it's a theological doctrine which talks about God being three persons, God three in one. It's fundamental uh, to Christianity. Um, it's how you can tell whether something's Christian or whether something's an uh, occult, not occult, like satanic, I mean a cult, because um, they won't believe in the Trinity. We can, we can always tell straight away because the Trinity is one of the things they, they, they won't agree on. Now, for, for Christians, we'll always agree about the Trinity. Those who are true believers always believe, agree about the Trinity, that God is three persons. He's God's son. Uh, was Jesus, he's God the Father, and he's God uh, the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you see that evidence of that right throughout, right throughout Scripture. Uh, you see the, the three uh, parts of the Godhead um, in operation. Now, don't ask me exactly how that works. Okay? <laughs> you know, the, by the nature of who God is, he, he is mysterious. And the way he operates is mysterious. And kind of how does that work? Um, now, of course, we don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God. Um, you know, the first of the Ten Commandments makes it very clear. Worship the Lord your God and him only. We're not worshipping three different, different gods here. And um, you know, they're all the Godhead, but it works in three, in, in three ways, or three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? We look at the baptism of Jesus, uh, John three thirteen to 17. There's loads of different examples we could use. But it says this, And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So that's John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, you see the Trinity here in operation. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending on a, uh, like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see clearly the three operations of the Trinity here. Three persons of the Trinity. You've got God the Father speaking, This is my Son, whom I love. You've got Jesus himself, God the Son, in human form, here being baptized, and then the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And you, there's loads of different scriptural examples we can use, but this is fundamental theology, isn't it? That we understand this is the way that God, God operates. Amen? And so, so three weeks ago, um, we talked about God being our Father. We looked at the kind of the first aspect of that, about God being our Father. We looked at four different things. This I really encourage you to listen to it if you didn't get a chance or you weren't here. We looked at uh, the Father's love. We looked at the Father's compassion. We looked at the Father's discipline. Different one, that one. And we looked at the Father's provision. So that's the kind of four things we looked at a few weeks ago about how the God operates in our lives. There could be different aspects as well, but that's the four kind of key things we looked at. So what I want to move on to today is looking, about, looking at Jesus. Now, this could be an, obviously an entire series in itself, couldn't it? As, just like God the Father could be an entire series uh, in itself. Okay? 
But I just want to just, just draw out some aspects of this. We're going to look at Jesus, God the Son. Now, it's very, very clear from Scripture, hopefully we all fundamentally understand that Jesus is God. Amen? We've talked about this, about the, about the Trinity. Jesus, Jesus was very clear about who he was claiming to be. John 14, verses 9 to 10 says this. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? These words I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. So Jesus was very clear. He was in the Father, the Father's in him. They, they were one. Amen. John 10, 25 to 33 says this just, just as kind of as powerfully. It says this, Jesus answered, I did, not, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. Sheep is talking about those who follow Jesus. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen to that. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to him, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So the religious leaders, they totally got who Jesus was claiming to be. That's actually what was making them so angry. Um, because under Jewish law, if you claim to be God, then you deserve to be stoned. That's just the context of what's happening here. Now, of course, when it came, when Jesus was on, uh, was on the earth, of course, by that time, Israel was under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was all over Europe, including, including Britain <laughs> as well by then. Um, it was all over Europe. So um, they didn't have the right to execute. And it was a kind of Roman law, kind of superseded Jewish law. Does that make sense? That's kind of what happened in the context at the time. So they couldn't stone someone. That's, they had to be executed. They had to do the Roman kind of punishment. Instead, I'm not sure which is worse. <laughs> Probably crucifixion is even worse than being stoned, isn't it? They're all horrendous. Um, anyway, and that's why Pontius Pilate had to get involved, wasn't it? The Roman governor had to get involved. For they, couldn't just, they couldn't just kill, religious leaders couldn't just kill Jesus. They didn't have the legal authority to do that. They had to, Pilate had to, uh, um, had to let that happen and agree to it. So that's kind of how the law was working at that time, okay? Anyway, so it says, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you were a mere man claimed to be God. So they totally understood what Jesus was claiming to be. He made it very clear, verse 30, I and the Father are one. There's no confusion about these, about these things. Amen? Jesus is God in human form. Amen? Praise God. So what I want to talk about, particularly about this morning, about the theology of what Jesus has done for us. Again, this could be a whole series in itself. We <laughs> talk, talk about this for weeks and months um, on its own but about what Jesus accomplished through his death and his resurrection for us. I'm going to take communion later, as I mentioned. You know, the, what Jesus did on the cross is just, it's just remarkable, isn't it, what Jesus did on the cross for us, what, what he did. And, you know, some people out in our society, people misunderstand. They think that Jesus was martyred. They think that everything went horribly wrong and he was murdered. Well, that's obviously misunderstanding. Muslims don't believe that someone was, was crucified instead of Jesus. Obviously, Jews don't believe that he was the Son of God. So there's kind of all this kind of uh, confusion, isn't there, just around Jesus. But Jesus is actually the central part of where the confusion lies. You know, Paul himself, he said, and he said that the cross is like it's, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. And, in, and to, our, to our world, our Gentile world, which is the world that we live in, um, it's just kind of foolishness. And they kind of think, what's, this, what's, what's some guy dying 2,000 years ago? What's that got to do with me? How is this in any way relevant how is this anyway relevant to me? But for us, we've had a revelation of it, and everyone needs to have a revelation of it, amen? 
you know, it, it's incredible, isn't it, what the cross has won for us, what Jesus accomplished through the cross, that it was God's plan before the, before the dawn of time itself, the whole purpose of all the Jewish law was, and sadly, this is what the Jewish leaders, uh, Jewish religious leaders, many of them got confused about or just didn't see, the whole purpose of the Jewish law was all to point towards Jesus, amen? The whole point of the whole sacrificial system and the fact that the animals uh, would pay the price for sin and kind of what Jesus did, at, uh, what God did at Passover, and then when they painted the blood of a, of a, they had to find the best lamb they could, and they had to paint it on their doorposts. And during the ten plagues of Egypt, just before Pharaoh changed his mind and released them, um, you know, it was all pointing towards Jesus. Jesus died at Passover. These things aren't, aren't coincidences. It's all God's God's plan. Amen. When they were taking the, um, you know, when they were having the meal. Uh, the day before Jesus died, they were having the Passover meal together. It was remembering what Jesus had, uh, sorry, remembering what God had done when he saw the lamb, lamb's blood painted on the doorposts of the Israelites. So they celebrated that year after year, and Jew, Jewish people do still do celebrate that, but sadly don't, let's uh, Messianic Jews, don't, don't grasp that Jesus was the Messiah, what it was actually all pointing towards. But let's, let's pray for Israel, amen, pray for those Jews. And there are lots of Jews who are becoming Christians, which is awesome. But let's continue to pray, uh, pray for that, amen. They have a revelation of Jesus uh, the Messiah, praise God. But the cross is amazing, isn't it? What Jesus accomplished on the cross, this, this plan that God had before the dawn of time, just to send his own son. You know, some people say, well, isn't that a bit random? Why 2,000 years ago? What about all the people that lived before Jesus? And you know, what about that? It's kind of a, seems like a random spot in time. Um, why did he do that? But the reality is, I didn't actually realize this, but the reality is 98% of all the people have ever lived is since Jesus. I didn't actually realize that. It's as extreme as that, because obviously population has rocketed the last 2,000 years, particularly the last 200 years. And so 98% of all humans have ever lived have been since, been since the time of Jesus. That's even, what, that's even what scientists say, let alone what, what Christians may say. That's what scientists would also <laughs> agree with. Okay? So the vast majority of people that ever lived have all been since, since Jesus. Amen? And the cross is just fundamental. Amen? Fundamental to us as, as believers what it does in our lives. But Jesus was just obedient to death on a cross. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. In your relationships with, the, with one another, this is what we can learn about this in our relationships, but in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, as we've just been talking about, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This has always been God's plan, amen, before the dawn of time itself. He knew what the human race was going to do. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to mess up. He knew the sinful nature that that, that was going to become a reality in, in people's lives. And there was always going to be a need for the ultimate sacrifice, amen? That, that sacrificing an animal um, every time you sinned or kind of the Day of Atonement, which they had, which was kind of basically once a year they'd make sure that all their sins had been covered, just in case there's any they'd kind of forgotten about. Um, the high priest would, would make, a, make some sacrifices on a day of atonement to make themselves right with, right with God. You know, it was all pointing for the need for Jesus, amen? For the ultimate sacrifice, this price to be paid once and for all. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, isn't he? When John the Baptist kind of, like, kind of introduces Jesus, so to speak, as John the Baptist's ministry and, and, and Jesus appears on the scene and, and John says, look, here he is, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John had a total revelation of who Jesus uh, was going to be, Amen? But what happened through, through the cross is, is just incredible. And, and you know, a divine exchange took place at that point. Amen? As God was giving, as Jesus was giving his life, it was giving life to us. Amen? You know, John 10, 10 says that we can have life and life more abundantly, life till the full. Jesus gave us life so we can have life. Amen? Praise God. 
You know, Ephesians 1 verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So through what Jesus did on the cross, we have been given every spiritual blessing that there is. That's amazing. Amen? If you don't take anything else from today's message, take that. <laughs> We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And like I said, we could spend months, if we wanted to, talking about this, the different spiritual blessings we now have. But it's just kind of one particular thing, I want, aspect I want to look at this morning. This is what Jesus has done through the divine exchange that took place there. For, for Jesus saying, you know, this is a price worth paying. Amen? Praise God. You know, the Bible says that we've been bought at a price. This is what Jesus, the price that Jesus paid. It's like my life for your life. This is how much I desire to be in relationship with you. I'm going to give my very self. And of course, three days later, he rose again and beat the power of sin and death once and for all. Amen. Praise God for that. So, so today, of course, is Remembrance Sunday. We're remembering what others have done for us, for our freedom. And freedom is what I particularly want to look at, look at today. Is, is to look at what the cross and, and what the cross did to give us the blessing. We've talked about having every spiritual blessing in Christ. Give us a spiritual blessing of spiritual freedom. So we looked at natural freedom this morning. I'm very grateful to all those who, who've given of themselves for that. But, you know, God wants us to live in the reality of what Jesus did on the cross, not just to be some theology kind of up there, well, yeah, I understand about the cross. No, to be a reality in your everyday life. And to understand the blessing of having spiritual freedom. I don't know whether you feel free right now. I don't know. But what I, what I do know is that God wants you to feel free. God has paid a massive price. Jesus has paid a huge price so that you can be free, so that you can live in freedom. Amen? Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's talk about the slavery of sin and, and, and the burden of sin. It's God's intention for you to live free, for us as believers to live completely free and to have a revelation of that. Amen? John 8 verse 34 to 36 says this, Jesus replied, very, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. It's all about us. We've now become children of God. Amen. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. So we're no longer slaves to sin. Praise God. And we're now, in the, we're now children of God. And when God sets someone free, he doesn't do half measures. Aren't you glad about that? He doesn't do a half job. He doesn't do a half measure. Maybe you look back at your life and you kind of think all the things that you've done wrong and kind of think, well, how could God pay the price for that? What about this, and what about this, and what about what this? You know, the great news for all of us, whatever we've done uh, in our past, and even whatever we did in our future, we've been completely set free from sin. Amen? We just need to confess it and put it right with God. But when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. Amen? It doesn't do a half job. It's not that uh, his blood may not have been enough to pay the price. It is always enough to pay the price. Amen? I'm only pleased about that this morning. Praise God. So Jesus didn't do an incomplete work through the cross. He wants you to live free indeed. So what does it mean to live in that freedom? From that theology to become a reality. So the thing I want to particularly focus on is the fact that we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? Amen? In fact, Jesus set us free from the power of sin through the cross. And there's two kind of main thoughts. Again, there could be lots of thoughts on this, but two kind of main thoughts I just want to draw out of this. But you are free from the power of sin this morning. Okay, maybe there's stuff that, that bothers you. Maybe there's temptations that bother you. Maybe there's stuff that you're you're struggling with. But one, well, one, put those things right with God. I just encourage you. There's no judgment. Amen. There's no, there's no ju judgment for me and Wendy. There's no judgment, and more important, there's no judgment from God. Amen. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just just put things right with God. 
you need to make some changes in your lifestyle and some things that God's speaking to you about, then obviously do that as well. Action that. Do something about it. You know, repentance means turning from our sin. That's what it means. But anyway, but Jesus set us free from the power of sin. So there's two main thoughts I want to draw out of this. Aren't you glad you're free from the power of sin this morning? Amen. Praise God. So the first aspect of that is our sinful nature has gone. Our sinful nature has gone. So that sinful nature that started with, with, with Adam and Eve and has just passed through the generations where, where none of us can live perfect lives. You know, our nature was to sin. You know, you kind of look at the world, and we, we have to be careful not to ju- And I'm serious about this. We have to be careful not to judge the world, because the world is just living out its nature. You know, the world is getting dark, and all those things, all those things are true. But they're just living out their nature. In fact, the, the, Jesus said, Jesus said that, you know, people, unless, unless you're a believer, your father, father is a devil. And the people are just following their, their father. They just, they just think this is what you do. They're just following their nature. They think, well, this is just this is what we do. This is what life's all about. And they just need to have their eyes open to the, to the light of the gospel, amen, and come out of the darkness that they're under, be brought out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, amen, that we all have been. Praise God. Amen. But, our, but for us as believers, our sinful nature has completely gone. Amen? We are brand new creations. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we've been literally crucified with Christ. Our sinful nature has been crucified. I mean, we, haven't, we haven't physically died, but, this, but spiritually we have died. This, this spiritually, we're now a brand new person. We're identified with the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism symbolizes, isn't it? Um, identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Now, of course, we can still be tempted, but whilst we can still be tempted, sin has no power or control over your life. Okay? And if you think there's something you cannot beat, it's too hard, it's too difficult, you're never going to beat this particular issue, what I want to say to you is that's a, that's a lie from the pit of hell to say you can't beat it. It is, I'm serious. It's a lie from the pit of hell to say that you cannot beat that sin because you absolutely can because sin has no right to have any power or control over your lives. And it may be difficult and it may be a struggle and all those things may be a reality, I know that. But it has no power or control over your life. God wants you to live completely free. Amen? Now, why is it that we sometimes we don't always feel free from the power of sin? I don't know how you feel. I'm not going to ask anyone to put their hands up and do a survey. But it can be true that we don't always feel free from the power of sin. It can feel that we're still entangled by it. It's still, it's still an issue. So why is that? Well, I believe it's a lot to do with, with us and kind of how we respond to this is the cross being a reality in our lives, this freedom. Firstly, we don't always make good choices. Let's be real about these things. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we don't make good choices. And there's no condemnation. I'm not judging anybody here. But these are just realities, aren't they? Sometimes we don't make good choices. So we don't, we, don't, we don't feel free from the power of sin because we allow sin into our lives. Sometimes we don't deal with, too, very much connected with the previous one, but we don't deal with temptation. Now in, in, this, in this world, there is going to be a serious amount of temptation. And just because you're a Christian, hopefully you <laughs> would agree with this, being a Christian more than five minutes, you'll know that temptations don't go away. You'll still be tempted to lie. You'll still be tempted to lust. You'll still be tempted to watch things on TV that you shouldn't watch, watch movies you shouldn't watch. You'll still be tempted to swear. You'll still be tempted to do all sorts of... Let's just be real about this stuff. You'll be tempted to be angry with people. You'll still be tempted to hate people. You'll still be tempted to... All, all these kind of things. You'll still be tempted to steal. All sorts of things. You may be thinking, I'm not tempted by any of things. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> You're the person to hang out with. Awesome. But these are very real, aren't they? <laughs> 
you may be tempted by some, you may, I'm not saying all of those things, but some of those things may be real things in your life. You know, and, and Jesus, under, Jesus understands, I haven't got time to look into all the scriptures of that, but it talks about, in, in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus being our high priest. Hebrews is just an amazing, amazing book of the Bible, as we all are. But just talking about Jesus being a high priest and what he actually accomplished for us through the cross. But it talks about that, that Jesus was tempted in every single way. So Jesus understands. That's why he can be our great high priest, because he gets it. It's not just some kind of airy-fairy, uh, well, yeah, I think I can understand. No, Jesus totally gets it. He, he was human. He was, on, he was on this earth. He was tempted in every single way. That's what Scripture, that's what scripture says. And the, and the devil tried to tempt him in the desert, and he was tempted not to go to the cross. That's the whole battle that was going on in Gethsemane, wasn't it, the day before the cross. The devil was trying to tempt him not to go through with it. And you can see that kind of internal struggle that was, that was taking place. But Jesus always dealt with it right, amen? This is why he's our great high priest, because he, he gets it. So when there's any temptation you face, and Jesus has faced the same temptations, amen? So remember, again, there's no condemnation. And it's not wrong to be tempted, okay? So if the devil is like, if there's thoughts that come into your head, and you kind of think, when in the world did that, this, this happens in my life, it's been real, okay? So I'm sure this happens in your life. There's thoughts that come into your head, and you're like, where in the world did that come from? And that's just the devil just putting thoughts um, into, into your head, but it's, but it's not wrong to have those thoughts. It's just about what you deal with them at that stage. Amen? So don't ever feel condemned by just thought, random thoughts in your head. You kind of think, man, that's not godly. <laughs> where, did, where did that come from? That's crazy. Where did that come from? It's about, it's about dealing with it. Amen? About dealing with temptation. That comes on to my next point. Why we don't always live, feel, from the, uh, we don't always feel free from the power of sin is we don't take thoughts captive. Now, Paul talks about taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. Amen? You know, so, so often, and particularly some types, of, I'm not going to go into different types of temptations. I could, but I'm not going to this morning. But different types of temptations, there's some t- particular types of temptations, you have to make a very quick decision about whether you're going to give in to the temptation or not. I'm serious, especially sexual stuff. You have to make very, very quick decisions. You don't want to be making quick decisions in the heat of the moment either. You want to know in advance about <laughs> where you are with God and you're strong and stuff as well. But if you are in a heat of a situation, you're probably going to make a bad decision, unless you're you know, very strong in God and make a very, very quick decision. Within about 10 seconds, it's probably too late. I'm, I'm serious. Let's be real about this stuff. It's probably too late. It is. You know, and we live in a, you know, a sex-infused world with pornography and all the issues there are with that and the way that social media is so accessible, it's so accessible to young people and stuff that never used to be accessible to anyone <laughs> um, is, now, is now accessible kind of at the click of a button. It's, it's crazy. But anyway, do we take those thoughts captive? It isn't just about sexual stuff. There could be different aspects of that as well, but that is one particular one. But do we take thoughts captive? Do we do that quickly? Because if you don't do it quickly, then you fall into, into, into a trap. And remember that Satan knows what our weaknesses are. I mean, sometimes we have to clue ourselves up about this. So Satan knows what your weaknesses are. Right? He knows what our weaknesses are, and he, he will lay traps for us. And we just have to wise up. We don't fear. We don't, certainly don't fear Satan in any way, right? Absolutely. No, we resist the devil and he, we humble ourselves before God resists the devil and he must flee. Amen? Yeah. But let's, let's just wise up to that as well. The traps, the traps he lays. Let's not fall into this. So sometimes we cannot make good choices. Sometimes we don't deal with temptation and we don't take thoughts captive. Sometimes we just don't, we may just not choose to live in victory. But God wants you to live in victory. Amen? And every single person here, you can live in total 100% victory. That's the good news for you this morning. You can live in total victory. And that is, that is God's heart for you. To live in victorious, victorious over every sin, over every temptation, amen. Because that will bring you total freedom. The, the devil, devil wants to wrap you up in knots. He wants you to be entangled. Paul talks about uh, laying aside every entanglement and running the race. 
every kind of sin that just holds us back. It's like a burden. It's like a, I don't know, like a coffin you're kind of dragging along. It's kind of this sin and this issue. God wants you to be totally free from that. Amen? In Jesus' name. We just have to allow God just to, just to give us victory in those situations. Allow God to deal with those temptations and allow him to, to help us to make good choices. Amen? But you can be victorious. And that's the thing to take away from this. If you think you can't be victorious, it is, is a lie. From the pit of hell, you fall into Satan's trap, basically. Because there's another trap he's led. It's basically, after you do this, I'm going to make you feel guilty. And then I'm going <laughs> to say that you, you know, you're no good. You're, you're a terrible Christian. You've fallen straight into the devil's trap. So God wants us to live free from the power of sin. Is this speaking to you this morning? Yeah. Amen. Good. So there's two aspects. Jesus set us free from the power of sin. God wants us to become a reality in our lives. So firstly, our sinful nature has gone. But your nature is no longer to sin. You're, you have a brand new nature. Your nature is now to glorify God. That doesn't mean to say it's not an ongoing battle, as we've talked about. But you're, you don't have a nature to sin. Amen. Praise God. You're a brand new creation. Spiritually, you're brand new. Amen. Not a half measure. Not a half job. Not a renovation job. The old person who you are has gone. Amen? It's not like when you do, you know, do up a house and you make, like we bought a house and we spent the last, I don't know, 12 years making it look a lot better than it did. Um, it's been a lot of work, isn't it? Yes, it is. I still more to do. It's always a long. My list, my list never gets shorter. Any, any men identify with that? Your list never gets shorter, does it? It's like, I don't know how that happens. However much you do, it's like the list is longer by the time you finish your previous job. Anyway. My wife is very patient, which I'm very grateful for. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, she has to be, probably. Anyway, anyway, but the reason I'm saying that is sometimes we can think that's almost like God, what God's done with our lives. It's like, we, we, uh, there was our life, and then God's like, well, I don't like the look of that, so he's kind of, kind of done a patch-up job, and he's redecorated this bit, and done up this room, and replaced some carpets. No, that is not what God has done. He has demolished the old house. It, it's gone. It's destroyed. It's been bulldozed. Man, does that make sense? Is it, it's why we need to change our thinking about this stuff. It's completely gone. You have a brand new nature. built a brand new, kind of, to use the same analogy, a palace in its place, a brand new castle, an amazing house in its place. Amen. And the old house that you had is gone. Praise God. I know Wendy would love that to happen naturally. Yeah. <laughs> She's believing for that. Should we just demolish it? Okay. That would have been probably cheaper, wouldn't it? Anyway. But God wants you to live in victory. Amen. Okay, second point. We are completely forgiven. So God wants you to live free from the power of sin. He wants us to live in freedom. So firstly, our sinful nature is gone. But two, we are completely and utterly forgiven. All your sins, if you're a believer this morning, all your sins have been washed clean. Amen? That's amazing. All our sins have been washed clean. All those things that we may have ever done have been washed clean. We've been made new. The price for our sin has been paid. Jesus took that burden upon himself. And this is again why we can live in freedom. Psalm 103 verse 11 to 12 says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. It's a great psalm, Psalm 103. It's like just, just so, all the psalms are amazing, but there's just so much truth in Psalm 103. Awesome. But So as far as the east is from the west, so basically uh, something that's immeasurable. That's not something you can measure. Where does the east start and the west start? That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. God has dealt with it once and for all. God doesn't ever bring up our old sin. He doesn't ever have thoughts about, yeah, what about that person I used to be? What about that thing I, I did? Again, that's just a devil. Just, just, you're falling into the devil's trap again. God, God will never bring up past sin. God's forgotten about it. It's dealt with. Right? The price has been paid. God's not going to bring it up. Amen? And sometimes we bring it up. Maybe other people bring it up. I don't know. Who knew you back then? I don't know. But either way, you are totally forgiven. Live in that forgiveness. Amen? So, so a bit like, why don't we always feel free from the power of sin? Why don't we always feel forgiven? 
Because I'm sure there may be some people here this morning, you don't always feel forgiven. And you feel condemned. You know, and that is never, ever God's heart. Remember Romans 8, there is therefore no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, John 3, 17, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen? God is about condemning. He wants you just to live in, in this forgiveness. So why don't we always feel forgiven? It's a good question, right? So firstly, sometimes we don't move on from our past. And too many Christians, I'm not judging in any way, but this is just a reality. Too many Christians I've met, they just live in their past. They haven't grasped the first point, that they've got a brand new nature. But they just kind of just live in that past. They're kind of, woe is me, I was a terrible person. Um, and you must be careful even when you talk about testimonies. When, when people who've had a kind of, we've all been radically saved, but some people's testimonies are different to others, aren't they? You know, I can't say, I can't stand up here and say I did sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'd just, I'd just be making it up. Because <laughs> that's, that's that isn't what I did. Right? Okay. I wasn't always a goody two-shoes either. But, you know, I can't make, you can't make things up, can you? But, you know, but some people stand up here and they can say all the kind of crazy stuff that they did and then what God saved them from. We've all got radical testimonies, whatever our background, amen? Right? We have to be so careful. I was talking to Pastor Andy about this. You know Pastor Andy's testimony and he was into kind of wild living he's very open about this this stuff and when he shared his testimony and he has he said that even he has to be he has to be careful that when he shares his testimony he doesn't like spend like 80 percent of the time talking about the person he was and then about you know 20 percent of the time talking about how amazing jesus has been since that makes sense it's almost like because otherwise you can end up almost like wallowing in that person who used to be now it's important to share your testimony because people so people can see what god has done but you kind of want it to be the 20% is about who you used to be, right? And 80% is about all the amazing stuff and how forgiven you are and free you are, how much God has changed you, and what, what Jesus is to you in your life. Amen? Does that make sense? So some, too many Christians, they get stuck in their past. And God wants you to move on from that. You're not the person you used to be. Let's move on. The second part, point, very much connected, is we don't forgive ourselves. We know we're forgiven by God, but we don't forgive ourselves. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything. But I've, I've seen this again and again and again, where people will not forgive themselves for what they did in their past. It could have been a marriage breakdown. It could have been a relationship breakdown with kids and all sorts of things that might have happened. But God wants you to feel forgiven and to live free. Amen? And it's not just knowing that God's forgiven you, but also living that forgiveness for yourself and forgiving yourself and just letting that stuff go. And God will help you, will help you to do that. Third one, again, it's connected. So too often we live in condemnation. We condemn ourselves for who we are. And even if this is, may not be about your past, but just kind of where you are now, and it's connected with the first thing I was talking about, about having a new nature and not giving you into temptation, but we live in condemnation. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a trap of the devil. He will condemn you. He will love telling you that you're a terrible Christian. You can never be accepted. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never have any, any ministry. You're letting people down. If people knew what was going on in your life, they'd be shocked. You know, all this, this is stuff the devil will put in your mind. Right? Let's be real about this stuff. This is just me. Okay. <laughs> this is stuff. Okay. Great. Don't leave me hanging up here on my own. But God doesn't want us to live in condemnation. Amen. So let's not allow condemnation to, to come upon us. It's never God's heart for us. God wants you to feel free. All it would do is make you feel burdened. What's the point of feeling condemned? Doesn't it any way? It doesn't help anybody, does it? It doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. It's a bit like it's a bit like slightly off track, but it's a bit like worry, isn't it? When Jesus says loads about worry, and he basically talks about worry and anxiety and stress. So to stop doing it because it's completely and utterly pointless. It's basically the gist of just summarizing Matthew 6 there for you. <laughs> 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 Paul's paraphrased version. 
very, kind of very short and to the point. But that's basically what Jesus is saying. Is stress and worry and anxiety. We worry about all these different things that we need. And Jesus is basically saying, it's pointless. Just seek God first. All It's just pointless. What's the point of, what's the point of staying awake all night? Because you're stressed out. How, how does it help? It hasn't helped you. It hasn't helped anybody else. Right? Let's be real about this stuff. And God wants God to help you through it. If you do deal with stress and anxiety, and, or maybe you've dealt with depression, I know these are real issues. But God wants to help you, help you through that. Amen? And, and so you're completely free. But God never wants us to live in condemnation. And fourth part of this, why we don't always feel completely forgiven, is we feel we have to obtain God's acceptance. And this is a huge one. If we have to obtain God's acceptance. So often it can be human, human nature, and of course this is true about all religions apart from Christianity, of thinking you've got to try and somehow get God to like you. Isn't it? It's where all the religions totally differ to Christianity. And it so often it can be human nature to feel we have to do something to, to do, be more accepted by God. We've got to try and be a bit more holy. No, you're wrong. I believe us Christians should live holy lives. Absolutely. But that's about the Holy Spirit outworking in us. Amen. But we try and be a bit more holy. And we try and be a bit more righteous. And, and it's kind of missing the point. And so often we try and do that because we just think, well, God will then love me and then he'll accept me and then he'll use me. And it's kind of missing the point because it's all because of the cross. That's why we're accepted and loved. Amen? And of course, God loves people even who... Even who are unbelievers, of course he does. For God so loved the world, right? But you don't need to ex- to try and strive to get God's acceptance. But so often it can be our default mode. I must have to do something um, to get somebody to like me, right? Sorry, my notes sticking together. There we go. God doesn't want you to ever feel that way. Amen. Yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about a, a marriage analogy. Sorry, I'll talk about you again, sorry. Again. <laughs> again. But I was just thinking about a marriage analogy about this, about getting acceptance. But what kind of, what kind of marriage would it be is if every day you went... This is, it's really important to talk about this stuff because this is so often how we, this is how we have completely wrong thinking about God. How would you feel in, in a marriage situation, those who are married or you want to be married? Or... Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I don't know what you said there, and I'm going to ignore it. Anyway. For those of us who are married, or just, well, let's all just get this analogy, whether you're married or not. Anyway, um, if in a marriage, you basically every single day you had to try and get the other person to accept you, that would be a really weird marriage. Everyone agree? That would be very odd, wouldn't it? Yeah. Too much work. <laughs> yeah, Ian would never meet up your standards, let's face it. There we go. That's hitting nerve. I feel both of them, I think. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's, that's, okay. Let's not get distracted. Anyway, but it would be very, very odd, wouldn't it? Genuinely, if every day you had to like, like jump through some, jump through some hoops, you had to like, well, if I do this, if I, if, I, if every day I woke up like, well, I got to do this, 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 and then maybe at the end of the day, Wendy will then accept me and love me. That'd be a very weird marriage, right? Wouldn't it? I would agree. That'd be a very odd relationship because the whole premise of marriage is you totally love and accept it. That's why you decided to, to give your lives away on, on your wedding day, right? That's the whole premise of marriage. That's what you've done. You, you love and accept it. It's a given, love and acceptance. It's not something that's got to be earned. That'd be very, very weird and very odd. But how often... So we, can, we get that, right? So we get that about relationships, about a human relationship. But why is it so often about God we don't get that at all? We, we, think, we understand that would be very, very weird in a human relationship... But in our relationship with God, we solve and we think, well, I've just got to do this, and 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 I've got to pray a bit more, and I've got to read the Bible a bit more, and all those good things, obviously. And I've just got to do this a bit more, and, and do you know what I mean? And then think, well, maybe then God will love and accept me. It's, it's nonsense. It's rubbish. Because that's not the nature of relationship. But love and acceptance all become because of the cross. 
Amen? Praise God. And when you, when you came to the, the cross that day, you were saved, just like someone on their wedding day. That's when their love and acceptance came. Well, it comes before the wedding day, but you know what I mean. That's when the vows are made, etc. And just like on the, happens when you get saved. That's when the love and acceptance and, and everything from God comes because you accept the reality of the cross in your life. Amen? And, and it comes at that point. Amen? And it's never going to go away. Amen? Praise God. So now she makes sense. Amen? So let's never get confused about that, about acceptance from God. So God wants you to live, let's kind of summarize, bring this all together, I know time's going, but God wants you to live in freedom. And too many Christians, uh, in my observation as a pastor, don't, don't live in freedom, and that's never God's heart. God wants you to know freedom from the power of sin. He wants it not just be some kind of good theology, oh yeah, I'm free from the power of sin, that's great. That's what Jesus on the cross, that's amazing. No, he wants it to be a reality in every day of your lives. Amen? To live in the reality of having a brand new nature, you're not, no longer a slave to sin, and to live in the reality of being completely forgiven and accepted by God. Amen. Ian, if you could come up and play, please. So we're going to take, we're going to take communion now, and we're just going to kind of just celebrate his freedom. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for us, and also we're just going to thank him and celebrate him for the freedom that he has won for us, won for us that we are free from the power of sin. Amen. You're completely forgiven and accepted. That's worth celebrating. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So as the... Um, Little card, obviously, we're still having to do it kind of in a different way. So, we'll bring around a little cartons as Ian plays, leads us in the song. So, if you peel off the top, you get a wafer, and you peel off the second bit, you'll get some grape juice. <laughs> I know they're a little bit fiddly, but obviously, it's what we have to do in these times that we're in. So, let's do that and take that together. But let's remember what Jesus has done for us. As we take the bread of his body that is broken for us, we do this in remembrance of him, Jesus said. As we take the grape juice, it represents the blood that has shed for us that has brought us forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. We've all got one. We'll take this together. Thank you for this bread, Lord, that signifies your body, Lord, that was broken for us. Lord, you told us, Lord, to do this in remembrance of you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your body broken. Thank you because of it, we can have freedom, Lord God. Thank you, we now have a brand new nature, Lord God. Lord, because your body was broken, Lord, we've been made whole. Lord, we've been made righteous in your sight. We've been made holy. Lord, it's all because of the cross. Lord, we say thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your blood. Lord, it's your blood that, that washes us, Lord, from all our righteousness. Lord, uh, Lord, you've washed us whiter than snow. That's what scripture says. Lord, you've given us a brand new nature. Lord, thank you for washing us clean. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that even if in our, 
in our future, Lord, we, we mess up, Lord. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that. But it's all because of your blood that was shed for us. Lord, we do this in remembrance of what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single person, Lord, here this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we be a body of people, Lord, that live free. Lord, you don't want us to be condemned. You don't want us to be burdened, Lord, by the weight of sin or to be entangled up, Lord. Just be able, well, Lord, you want us to just be able to run that race. Lord God, and I pray, Lord, that, Lord, that we will just live in that reality of what you've done on the cross for us. Lord, that we have a brand new nature. Lord, may we never go back to our old ways or think about our past. Lord, may we deal with temptation. Lord God, Lord, may we forgive ourselves. Lord, may we never try and, Lord, just try and gain your acceptance. Lord, it's because of your cross that we're made holy and righteous. Lord, we cannot be more holy and righteous than we already are. Lord, it's because of the cross, not because of anything we do. It's because of you. And I pray that we're outwork in our everyday lives. And every single person here, Lord, will go home free. And they're completely free from the power of sin. Lord, if there's people who are struggling, Lord, with, with particular temptations and, and habits and stuff that's just, Lord, affecting their relationship with you and stuff that's kind of making a barrier between, Lord, between you and them. Lord, I pray, Lord God, they will be completely set free in Jesus' name. Lord, that they make good choices. Lord, help them to take thoughts captive. Lord, help them to make great decisions, even if they're going to make very quick decisions, as we talked about this morning. Lord, they make great decisions in you. Lord, I pray you give them complete victory. Lord, I pray, Lord, that none of us will fall into Satan's trap, Lord God. Lord, may we wise up, Lord, to what the devil tries to do. May we wear the armor, always put on the armor of God and take up the, the shield of faith, Lord God. Lord that, Lord, that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. Thank you, Lord God. You want us to live in victory and total freedom. We thank you for that. And I pray we're people that, Lord, that do in every area of our lives. But everyone here will know they're forgiven, accepted, help them to forgive themselves move on from their past, to let go, Lord God. Not try and gain anything from you, but just to, just to live in that, that joy, Lord, that they are totally free in, in your presence and totally accepted. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for the cross, for what it won for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.